Nakoto Altiero. Welcome to the Export Beer Garden Studio. Welcome to the headquarters of the Alternative Commentary Collective. And welcome to the day four end of test wrap from two thirds of the BYC as the Black Caps not only extinguished but embarrassed South Africa and then added insult to injury by sending them to my beloved Hamilton for a four day weekend ahead of the second test Tuesday at Seddon Park. I'm Paul Ford, godfather of the Beige Brigade, joined by sports writing aficionado, El Presidente of the Bounce Substack Newsletter. Good evening, Dylan Cleaver. How are you? And are you happy after that drubbing at the Bay Oval? Uh, yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Paul. And yeah, I kind of am happy. Obviously, there's a there's a hollow feeling that's kind of enveloped this entire series. Uh, but that's no fault of the 11 men of New Zealand selected to take on South Africa. And I'm actually quite pleased it's a drubbing on multiple um, fronts. But the chief among them is that test cricket is meant to be hard. It's meant to be tough cricket. It's not something you're just meant to be able to pack a suitcase, go to a ground and be able to play. And I'm glad that New Zealand demonstrated that that's the case. There was like, there was this fear that I had, and I'm sure not the only one, that they'd drag these 11 guys out of domestic cricket in South Africa and they'd come over and they'd be competitive. That, for me, would have been a far greater concern than New Zealand doing what they should have have done, which is destroy them from pillar to post. <laughs> well, the, uh, I was actually, just as you were saying that, a thought came into my head, and I think this is not true, but there is a kind of thought out there, I think, among people that maybe don't know the game as well, that sort of the people that don't dig into the ins and outs of it all, but, but the fact is we've got a bunch of South Africans in the New Zealand team Maybe you can just come out of South African first-class cricket and be really, really amazing and world-class. But the point is, there's a hell of a lot more that goes into it than just, as you say, packing the suitcase and turning up in, at the Bay Oval and scoring tons and taking five wicket bags. But but there's something interesting about that, I think, that the crossover of of the South African, what's it called? The diaspora. The diaspora, diaspora yeah. 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 Yeah, there, there is. And look... I think also that people might have a impression that because we get these South Africans into our game and they're good and we get these young South African kids and they dominate their club teams, particularly around Auckland, big personalities. Um, I don't know if it's genetic, but they seem to physically develop quicker than um, the Kiwi Anglo kids as well. So these big personalities, these good players at youth grade, I think we might have this impression that South African domestic cricket is really, really strong. I'm not so sure that's the case now with, I know we talked about it, well, you talked about it very briefly the other night about transformation targets, and those targets go through all of um, South African cricket, uh, professional cricket. And I just wonder if, and this is not a political statement by any means, you know, I I have no concept of, uh, well, apart from what I read, the country's tortured history has led them to this point where they think that is the best path forward. So this is not a political statement, but I do wonder if those trans- transformation targets have had the effect of actually diluting all of South Africa's cricket's talent pool, and that maybe just because these South Africans come over here and do really well, it doesn't actually mean that the game is in that rude health back there, and and maybe this is a reality check for South African cricket as well. Yeah, there's an interesting story in the list in which we should talk about on the full BYC podcast at some point. It's a yarn by a guy called James Borrowdale, and it came out a couple of weeks back, and, and he, he was 
he interviews guys like Kruger Van Veek. Um, he talks to uh, a couple of the incumbents as well. And one of the points that gets made in there is that that South African system is really, really old school. It's really hard. You get absolutely abused. The pathways, people are blocking your way um, through politics and through all sorts of shenanigans. It's sort of a survival of the not the best, but kind of the toughest, and it's very hierarchical. And so, uh, yeah, they they kind of find their way in New Zealand and go, gosh, everyone's quite nice to each other here. Everyone seems to be, you know, talking about how at the Under-19 Cricket World Cup a a few years ago, the New Zealand players um, would sit around and talk to them about how they could get better and all of these types of things. And they were like, why the hell are they doing this? It just didn't make any (laughs) sense to them. Uh, Yeah, so a clash of cultures as well. But but anyway, we should have a look at some of the maths around this game. Of course, the day began with the heavy roller and an overnight declaration. South Africa on the hunt for a preposterous 529 to win. To be fair, at least in three runs and over, you know, 180 (laughs) overs at their disposal. Um, But realistically, I think just probably aiming to demonstrate a bit more metal than they had in their first innings effort where they scored 160-odd and 70-something overs. Uh, Today, they scored 247 off 80. New Zealand was on the hunt for 10 wickets, and they did so and extinguished South Africa um, with a margin of 281 runs, which is the second biggest margin in runs for New Zealand. Um, the record, of course, was 423 when Sri Lanka got Lathamed and Nicholsed and Southied, I think. He got 50-odd of 60-odd yeah. in that game, I think. Uh, Trent Bolt got heaps of wickets in that game. Um, but yeah, I, I guess my question to you, DC, is, you know, New Zealand has won 1-0 and they've won by nearly 300 runs. Does the margin actually matter or would it wouldn't have been enough? Uh, no, I think the margin did matter in this case. I think it needed to be comprehensive for the points I just raised before, but also uh, just because they should. You know, they're they're a better team. They're a good team. Um, I I quite like the way they're just gradually um, inputting a bit more youth and vigour into the t- team as well. So it was important for, I guess, the le- lesser experienced guys, uh, Ratchin obviously being one, Glenn Phillips, Um even Cole Jamison's not that experienced, you know. If you consider that how many tests he's played, so yeah, and if, I you're, think, pick, and if you're if you're picking him over Wagner, I guess you could make yeah. that argument. Yeah, yeah, did right. So I I do I do think the margin of victory was important. Um, it was emphatic, and and I guess a really pleasing aspect about it is if you look at that New Zealand performance, you have to look pretty hard to find. You can always find quibbles in cricket, right? That's the way the sport is designed. But aside from perhaps the form of the openers, opening batters, really there's not a lot else where you can look at it and go, Jeepers, we need to improve this. Maybe Matt Henry's catching. <laughs> yes, I knew you'd. I knew you'd find a couple of little uh, picks that needed to be ironed out, DC. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're happy, uh, they must have done pretty damn well. And as you say, as you said at the outset, you know there is. I guess there's a strange feeling that we've rolled South Africa so cheaply because it's just such a, with such a massive margin of victory, because it's just not a feeling that you usually have. I mean, obviously New Zealand has very rarely done it in test cricket. I think we've had 16 series where we've managed not to do it. Uh, and now we're, now we are on track to do it. Um, I guess the, the other important piece in the global cricketing milieu is that uh, we have now jumped up to top of the table in yes. the World Test Championship. So we've have we skipped? It's such a bizarre setup. Oh, it's I remember a weird table. Weird we're, we're table. Play, 
we play like six tests and England play 16, but the points are sort of allocated on a pro rata basis. And the guts of that means that if we do well against South Africa in this next test and do really well against Australia at home, um, well, you know, we could stay, we could stay right at the top there ahead of Australia and India. Yeah, well, a few of those teams are kind of mincing around the 50% margin, so it's done on a percentage basis of the uh, – uh, we will get into it in a proper full-length BYC one day, how it all works, but just take it as read that they've played bugger all tests in this round of the World Test Championship cycle, in the cycle of the World Test Championship, and they've won enough of them to be on top of the table. Australia will be obviously a, a sterner challenge for that, and um, I mean – that's something to really look forward to. I, there's a slightly negative point to this test in that although New Zealand did everything they need to do, it's off the back of an outstanding test in Australia at the Gabba between Australia and Western Indies, a phenomenal test in Hyderabad between England and India, another very, very good test between England and um, India at Visaka Pam. Um, I said that terribly uh, Visag Patnam, is it? Visag, if you just want to go to the shorthand. Yeah, Visag. Let's just call it Visag. And um, yeah, and actually a, a quite interesting test between Afghanistan and, and Sri Lanka ball team. So, you know, it's how would you is Test cricket healthy? Is um, is where I'm getting to here, Paul Ford. Does this is this an indication of a sickness in Test cricket, or do we just write this off as an anomaly? Mm, I, I I like to think that this particular set of circumstances at which we find ourselves with this bizarre situation with the South African T20 comp and the dates and all that, 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 that's, that will be looked back on in history as like, we can't have that keep on happening. So I'm confident that it won't be this shambolic, but I think that the very fabric of the game and finding those dedicated windows where the best players are digging in and playing test cricket for their countries against the other best players from the respective countries. Something has to change. It does feel like there is a growing impetus for that to happen, um, but uh, it's, it's going to take it's going to take money and it's going to take time for that to settle itself down. Um, but I guess, DC, doesn't really matter what I think. Um, what about, should we hear from one of the players? Tim yeah. Southey, I think he got asked how he thinks it's been going. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a unique situation with the timing of, of and the scheduling of the series. I think if you look at the test game, it's as exciting as it's ever been. Um, we were, we were um, privileged to see that that uh, a, a week or so ago, two two great test matches. Um, and I think you, you cast your mind back over the last couple of years. There's been some some amazing test tests that have played out, and um, I think for for all the players that play it, they love it. Um, it's the um, for me, it's the the pinnacle, and and I hope there's a there's a way to to keep the, I guess the the appetite and, uh, and and the fans engaged in in the format. Yeah, well, he, he makes a reasonable point, I guess. Paul, have you got any, anything to add on that? I mean, as you said, yes, Tim. It has test cricket has been as exciting as it has ever been. I mean, you know, over the last those games have been magnificent. I think the most exciting it's ever been was actually at the Basin against England, um, and maybe the uh, one, uh, yeah, the, 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 that's the one that sticks in my head. But look, I think. It is very hard to put this most recent test match that's come to an end today in that uh, pantheon of of brilliance. I, I just, yeah, uh, I I get his broader point, but I think if there's too many matches like this, and it's not the margin, it's just the calibre of the 
uh, of mm. the gap between the teams. You know, if New Zealand played unbelievable and did this to Australia, who cares? Um, yeah. So I had, a, I had one note of caution. When South Africa last came here with admittedly a far stronger team, New Zealand destroyed them in the first test, absolutely embarrassed them. And it was only a matter of how much they'd win the second test by. And South Africa came back and despite the best efforts of the minute piece, um, gave New Zealand a bit of thumping in the second test. Now, again, vastly more experienced and and, uh, more... uh, you know, valuable squad that they had then, but just just that tiny little note of caution there before we uh, before we write the series off. Now, uh, man of the match was obviously a battle between. Let's lean on this cliche one more time, at least between the master and the apprentice. Um, the official, the officials gave it to the apprentice. Ratchet Revenger is the official man of the match, but we're going to dish out MVP points for the top five players in the test. Uh, five points, do you agree with the officials, Paul Ford? Yeah, I'm actually happy with that. I think uh, I said Ratchin because I think a double ton, couple of wickets, caught like a demon, and also not being boring in interviews. That, that for me was a, was a bit of a grand slam from him in this one. But obviously Kane did some wonderful stuff. But but for me, I was, I was happy with Ratchin taking home the prize. Okay, so we take it as read that Kane Williamson takes home the four points then. Yes, and as you yes, I reckon that's. I think that sounds right. And as you said, I think it was yesterday. You know, it's weird when you look at the history of the century in each innings. I mean, Glenn Turner, I think he was man of the match. Peter, I don't think Peter Fulton was in his one because Matt Bryant did amazing things and scored a not out ton in that game. Yeah, Howarth, I assume was, but that was a weird rain affected game. And that Andrew Jones game, there were three players of the match in that game because Ian Smith took eight catches and Buddy Gurusina got two 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 tons as well. So, yeah, yeah. that was the series. That was the series where Martin Crow also got the two nine nine, and Andrew Jones got the one eight six in the test beforehand. So I think Jones got three tons in a row that test, and it was pretty hard work to watch. If we're being brutally honest, I mean Martin Crow played a cracking knock. Jones was Jones, and I think Aravinda de Silva might have got a big double ton in that yes. um, series as well. But you know, it certainly wasn't sparkling. Test cricket. So we get down to the, I guess, the trickier ones, three points. I've, I'm fairly firm in my idea that it's a blonde, tall, right arm seamer. What about yourself? Hate to disagree, but uh, sorry, hate to agree, but uh, I do. Yes, Cole Jamison for me, six wickets. And, uh, you know, wickets that were earned through him doing Cole Jamison things, getting that extra bounce and providing that. I guess something different from the, from what the South African attack brought, and it showed the, the the value of that. And good to see him stay fit as well, of course. Uh, the two points. I went Santner for this one. I think that he he got six wickets as well for ninety three, bowled forty odd overs. I think he I think he showed a lot of discipline. I, I was yeah. So th- that's that's where I landed on this one. Okay, you will. I had three players to try and shoehorn into these last two places. One was Santner, but my only concern was that he was probably expected to get some top order wickets in the fourth innings of a test, and and really he wrapped up the tail. But I just liked the way he went about his work. So yeah, I'm happy to give him the two, which means the one point for me comes down to a straight fight between the um, South African skipper who somehow 
ended up with an eight, an eight for in this test and Beddingham, who uh, it just added a little bit of piquancy to to a concluded to the conclusion of a test that was um mangling my words here a bit but it was a foregone conclusion but at least he added a bit of spark to it at the end so uh, you know i'm gonna have to go with betting him for the simple fact that brunt is not picked for his bowling his captaincy was uh he made some critical errors at the toss and at the selection table beforehand and he did not bat at all well which is his primary role so i'm going to go betting him for the one point yeah, I, I I I cheated as well on this one, and I had Neil Brand uh, doing a full Chris uh, Chris Gale, um, but of course scoring no runs, so sort of only half a Chris Gale actually. But uh, yeah, opening the batting and, and getting a, a hat full of wickets, uh, quite quite extraordinary. Um, I did feel sorry for him in the post match interview where they he, he said that um, how was he feeling, and he said deflated. I thought, oh man, they would have been so pumped up that they were going to pull off a miracle in that test match. Um, so I felt a bit sorry for him, but yeah, I'm happy with. Betting him, yeah, I wrote a couple of things down here. Gosh, he was, we wanted him to be good, and uh, he looked brilliant. I love the way he batted today. I just thought it was audacious, um, aggressive. It was a great counter, counter-attacking, counter-punch, counter-punch of an innings. And he was saying, I don't know if you saw this, they interviewed him, and uh, he said that they thought New Zealand would do Wagner ball on them, and so they've been practicing it a week ago, and he's just been practicing his pulls and his hooks, stepping <laughs> away to the leg side and going full Harry Brook. Um, and crashing it through the offside because there were no fielders there, um, and I uh, thought that was fantastic. He just and, and he he spoke very positively. Actually, he said, "Look, I'm not a defensive player. I didn't want to go out there." And you know, he, he said, "Kane showed us what you could do. You could bat for ages and ages and ages, or you could go out and score. Not quite at a run of ball, but kind of rollick along." And he said he wanted to make a play, have a go, and uh, yeah, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Some brutal pull shots and. And cut shots, 19 off that over from uh, Henry. And, uh, yeah, I just thought he was fantastic. There was a great stat that came up which said that he's seventh in terms of first-class runs scored in cricket around the world since 2021, which is, I know, a little bit conflicted, mm. but uh, he's in not bad company there. He's a he's a hell of a player. So uh, does he play for Durham, does he, in the off-season? Right. Yes, yeah, so he yeah, probably so would have played with Latham or I think even um, Ratchin went over and got a double ton for Durham to the last, last season. Oh, maybe. I haven't. I don't know the. Uh, I don't know who they've been, who he's been batting alongside over there. But, yeah, if, yeah, he scored an absolute crap load of runs. I mean, he was a Colpack player and then um, and then was and then has been selected as their overseas player. So under pressure to perform, I guess, as a yeah. you know, just being a sort of a freebie, which is what the Colpack players can be deemed to be. So yeah, he he was great to watch. Okay, on that same subject then, or similar subject, is it a slightly con- concerning for Neil Wagner, I guess, that the Black Caps uh, are happy to play Wagner ball using people other than Wagner? Yeah, I thought it was very strange. I, I just, yeah, as you say, there's one thing about doing it, trying it, having a bit of a plan, but they did it for ages. I mean, he he, he was, what, three hits away from scoring 100? And they could um, afford to, right? They had they yeah. had runs to spend. Yeah, I guess, I guess what was going through my head, and I know this is probably not fair, but what was going through my head was if I'm Steve Smith, um, Usman Kawaja, Manus Lavashane, and I'm watching the video highlights of how New Zealand are going to get the wickets when they see a player who is prepared to have a crack. If I'm Mitchell Marsh, if I'm Travis Head, I'm thinking, 
Mm, okay. They're going to go to that for a long time. There's a lot of runs that I'm going to score out there. They, they haven't got too many tricks. Um, that was just the one thing that was going through my head. Yeah. Okay. So in your opinion, they persisted too long on that? Yeah. That I think that's the thing. And if I if I think about what, how does we want Kyle Jamison, how do we want Matt Henry to get their wickets? I'm just not sure if it's um, pounding short balls and, you know, doing a, you know, what, what's Wagner? He's got sort of... 40-something percent of his wickets from short balls. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, maybe it was a horses for courses, um, you know, just getting um, Mr. Darcy and Gulliver to, to do that as a as a, a method on that particular pitch. But, yes, I hope it doesn't become a philosophy that we're going to just use them as to, to do Wagner ball um, when things yeah. get a bit tricky. Hey, um, just a couple of things right into the prickles of this test. Um, one thing I noticed was just the absolute absence, and you just don't get this in New Zealand, an absolute absence of nicks through to the keeper. There were only four keeping dismissals in this entire test. One of them was a stumping uh, when New Zealand were on the slog in the first innings to 14. One of them was a horrendously unlucky dismissal of 14 when he smashed oh, it into Tom Latham. It was so up, unlucky. And it ballooned, oh. ballooned up to Blundell. One of them was a, a leave that went wrong uh, from Brunt. Uh, so I guess that is a nick, but it's not what I call a genuine nick that the bats that the bowler is earned by um, a batsman probing at them. And the only actual genuine nick was Tom Latham through to um, fourteen on the first morning. I mean, never. Have you ever seen anything like that in New Zealand before? No, nah, it's quite extraordinary. And you can almost tell from the tenor of the New Zealand bowlers how frustrating they, they found that. You know, like Southie, Henry and Jemison are just not used to pitches being that benign for, for that long. Of course, you hear the post-match interviews and the, the chat from Mitchell Santner, and he's like saying how great it is that there's a pitch where yeah. he gets to go out and bowl heaps of overs and try a lot of stuff and, you know, uh, come wheeling in hour after hour, over after over. So, yeah, I guess it it was a good reminder of how seam-oriented we are as a cricket nation at home. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a good reminder of just how quirky cricket can be too when we get around the rule book here with um, Neil Brown's dismissal, non-dismissal today. Talk us through that. Yeah, so it was a weird one. So, so you know, he's no Chris Gale, but uh, doing he was doing his Chris Gale, opening up left-handed. Looked like he'd nicked a ball from um, Matt Henry. Really good catch from Tom Blundell. And the umpire put his finger up. And you could see Brand going, I'm not really sure what happened there, but Oh, well, I'll, I'll DRS it. And then they did the DRS, and the replay showed that the ball um, missed the bat but flicked his back pad, and then um, Blundell took the catch. And then the third umpire checked to see if he'd been – see if he was uh, out LBW, and then ball tracking said it was umpire's call. And uh, because he was originally given out, there was this sort of confusion about – whether he whether he should be out or does the decision stand and all that kind of jazz, um, the decision stands, i.e., um, because you can't just you can, the the ruling as I understand it, and I must admit I was a bit confused watching it, because the umpire had ruled that Brand was out court and not given out LBW, he was eventually given not out, so it was a very mm. confusing situation. Yeah, I, I was asking a question and I haven't got an answer to this. What if the umpires? Decision like when the guy reviewed, what if the umpire had said to the um, the DR, the umpire operating the DRS, "Hey, I'm not sure if he nicked it, but if he didn't nick it, I think it was LBW." 
Yeah. So what if he's actually having a bob each way as an umpire? Yeah. Look, I, I think it's a it's a tricky one. It cool. You know, as I understand it, when you appeal, you're appealing for every single possible dismissal option that might be on the table at that time. Yeah. And I'm loath to I'm loath to meddle with the rules too much, but I do wonder whether there's a wrinkle in the DRS system here, which now that that system exists, we don't need to have that. Maybe you do need to be specific, or maybe we should consider. I'd like to have a discussion about that at some point, whether you can only appeal for one thing. So if you're going up DRSing, saying that that's not out, you're saying that you didn't hit it, or the reverse is, you know, that it was out every W, you can't sort of have a backup option. You yeah, can't right. have a backup option. It's got to be an appeal for one particular thing, which is the improvement or otherwise as part of the system. I don't know. So we hit on, we hit not far away actually, just over the Kaimais to the city of the future. And uh, what what do they do in Hamilton? And I, I'm talking selection here, not what oh. you actually can do in Hamilton because I don't well, know I if actually, there is anything. I brought a list. It's short, top three. Hamilton Zoo, uh, the giraffe, I think a giraffe fell over and died there last week, so tread with care. Um, Hamilton Gardens, very enchanting. Oh, that's lovely, apparently. Very enchanting. Um, yeah, just probably don't use the toilets there. And don't forget the toothbrush fence at Tapahu. Um, yeah, very, like, very, just an actual, absolute cultural icon, you know, sort of like a Egyptian pyramids, uh, hanging gardens of Babylon type scenario. Yeah, the toothbrush toothbrush fence of Tapahu. That's what I brought, Dylan. But you want to, you're actually wanting to talk. I think you're probably wanting to talk Santa, aren't you? Yeah, well, that's three full three full days you've just arranged for us there, so that's pretty handy. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking. I'm more curious about Willow Rock. I mean, have they just brought them in? And I think I mentioned this in the bounce, but is it kind of just a meet your heroes week for Willow Rourke or is he in serious consideration for a spot? What do they do with Wagner? Uh, do they get really funky and decide because they don't need a whole bunch of part-time spinners here, maybe give Will Young a run in the middle order instead of Phillips? Um, I'm, I'm not sure, really. I, I, I doubt that's the case, but do you see any changes? Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 tricky, isn't it? I just had a quick look. The last time they played in Hamilton was uh, December 2020 against the West Indies. Kane Williamson, 251. New Zealand racked up 519. Jamison got runs. Latham got runs. The West Indies got rolled for 138 and 247, with Southie getting uh, four or five. And I think it was Waggers maybe got six. So, look, I I think Cal Johnson there, the, the groundsman in Hamilton, it'll be green. It'll seem It'll be probably a bit more overcast. It was all pretty overcast today in Tauranga. It'll be bouncier. It'll just be a livelier deck. So, you know, I think in – I feel like when they selected the team, they were basically saying, we'll give Santner a run at the mount and then we're going to go full-blown scene uh, in in Hamilton. But I think maybe Santner's performance has raised a few uh, – well, he's – I wouldn't say he's cemented himself, but he's made it harder for him to be left out, I think. So, yeah, where does that leave me? The weather looks pretty good. Just had a quick look at that. Looks like it's going to be sunny, a couple of showers over the weekend. But, of course, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday test match. So, uh, Hamilton, Mm. get out to prove that there's nothing to do. Uh, There should be good crowds all week. Um, Yeah, look, it's really a – the guys that I feel like they are contemplating dropping you is – 
Santner, because it seemed friendly, nothing to do with his performance. Phillips, because we don't need a part-time spinner, as you mentioned. And Jamison, just for cotton wool reasons. And then, yeah, then it's... So I think that they will leave... I think O'Rourke won't play. I think that's where that's going to go. And I can see a romantic selection for Neil Wagner in this game. Coming in wow. for Jamison, just to put him in cotton wool. Yeah, well, it's um, all to play for, as they like to say in sports radio. And, um, yeah, it's been cracking having your company here for this test. As I said before, we now move on to Hamilton. Bring it on.